0: Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. On today's show, we may bring up a memory or two that you may not have remembered that you had, but I'm sure everyone does. More on that in just a second. If you're new to this show, thank you for joining. It's good to have you. Uh, this is a show which I hope you stay tuned into. It's all about brands and how they become more authentic, but it's not just that because that's a little broad. Specifically, it's how brands mobilize their masses to do so. A lot of times can be their consumers, but can also be fans and followers or franchisees. Today, I'm on with 7-Eleven and their chief marketing officer, Marissa Jarrett. Now, everybody knows what 7-Eleven is. they got 10,000 locations in the U.S. they got 70,000 locations worldwide. And when I said a story that you may not remember, or a memory that you may not remember, it's because I'm guessing that most everybody out there has a memory from when they were a kid or when they were at school of something, something at the 7-Eleven. Oh, I always used to dot, dot, dot near the 7-Eleven. And this was something that I leaned into pretty hard in the conversation with Marissa as I learned about how they bring those memories and experiences to the forefront. Because you all know that I think that brands are doing the most authentic work they can when they're bringing those stories to light. But also, I think it's something that 7-Eleven has over other brands because of that mental second gear that kicks in when thinking about it. And I'll explain that more on the show itself. But to think about 7-Eleven as a brand and then to say, oh, but remember at the 7-Eleven when we dot, dot, dot. That's something that I think a lot of folks strive for when it comes to being emotionally impactful as a brand. And Marissa, this is a passion point of hers. So we talk about that. We talk about uh, what's currently happening in this context and how 7-Eleven as an essential business is propping up the communities um, in which they reside. And of course, towards the end, advice about how to build a more authentic brand. But I was pleasantly surprised by this conversation because it's almost entirely story-based. So not as uh, sequential as the interviews you may have heard to date. And maybe you can give me some advice on that towards the end or after this interview is over. But uh, that's a lot of talking, so I'll stop talking and let you start listening. This is our interview from today with 7-Eleven's Marissa Jarrett. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. I am here with Marissa Jarrett from 7-Eleven. Marissa, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing?
1: Great, Adam. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Listeners, we were just talking uh, prior to this recording about how it's the highlight of my calendar quarter, I think just to be leaving the house, I'm going to take a little trip, uh, up the, up the road to see some family. So it's weird to say, it's, it's weird to think about is Isn't is isn't it Marissa that like, that's now, that's the new, that's the new heights for us.
1: Yeah. You know, it's a, it's the little things as they say, but I did want to remind you that on your trip, hopefully you'll stop by a seven 11 and enjoy some of the delights that we have to offer.
0: Well, we just moved uh, up the street, and um, has nothing to do with Seven Eleven, except to say that it's now almost directly outside our entrance to to the to the building that we're in. Um, and what I noticed the most, maybe we can we can start off here. Uh, typically, I ask about you know journeys to this point. I, I do want to talk about that too. But what I thought was, uh, I thought I guess peculiar, but not. Overall surprising was that when this all kicked off and I'm thinking like, I really started noticing it once social distancing and quarantining got really serious in, in the DC area in Northern Virginia, which is where I am. This was in April, it was the beginning of April, maybe first week. I uh, I noticed that nobody was out. It was like a ghost town. It was eerie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except everything except for the 7-Eleven, which I thought was strange. Now I, I obviously, like down here it was because I I didn't associate like essential business in seven eleven, but then I thought about it again and I was like, well, that's kind of silly because everybody needs to go somewhere. yeah, right. absolutely. um yeah, can you talk a little bit about that like what uh, how people are sort of holding up the neighborhood right now, so to speak?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you're correct. Seven eleven is designated as an essential business, which is a surprise to some people, but uh, until you realize our our founding and our history, we actually started as a company in 1927, as an ice house um, to provide ice for customers during off hours for stores that were already closed. And shortly thereafter, expanded to selling milk and bread. And then from there, additional assortment for kind of essentials that people needed outside of the hours of normal kind of store operating hours at that time. So it's kind of a full circle for us, actually, (laughs) Uh, the past several months to be, you know, really kind of trying to reintroduce customers to the fact that we provide an essential service and that we sell essential items like pantry items and household goods and milk and bread and eggs and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, We have been super focused the past two and a half months on um, three key things. One is just keeping our stores open, knowing that we, ser- we provide that service in our communities and knowing that customers, especially in the last two and a half months have been trying to limit their outings to different stores and, you know, kind of limit their uh, points of contact. Um, But keeping our stores open has been paramount. Keeping the shelves stocked (laughs) has been paramount.
0: Sure. I bet that's been an unexpected like question problem, but kind of nice.
1: Yeah. Weirdly. Yeah. Yeah. It's both good and bad. And then as you might imagine, keeping people safe, both our our people, our employees, our associates, our franchisees, as well as our customers and the broader community. So it's been a, you know, full court press as an organization, all of us focusing on how do we do that quickly, uh, responsibly, And responsively, depending on the needs of the local community, because as we know, COVID has impacted communities in different ways at different times over the course of the last two and a half months. And so a one size fits all approach just really wasn't appropriate for what we were needing to do.
0: Right. Well, just as every community is different, so too are the folks that uh, that keep that community alive, and uh, that that happens a lot of the times. Frankly speaking, through a Seven Eleven. Now, that's also because, at least in my experience, a lot of the Seven Elevens that I've been into are are franchise. So it's literally people who like live around. But we, somebody that I used to go to school with, and I'm, I mean like elementary school, and went to our pool in the summer. Um, you know, that whole family made their business why they had a couple Seven Elevens. Yeah. And uh, and so you know, I think about folks like that and, and to recognize that especially and, and again it's exclusive to the franchise model for me but it, it, it people are keeping the lights on and I you know what I thought it's it was cool and I didn't I didn't know this piece of trivia perhaps I should have coming in that 7-Eleven started as an ice house and you know why that's really interesting to me is because The first, and I'm going to just keep telling stories here, but I feel like everybody's got a story (laughs) that they can tell when they went to the 7-Eleven, you know, as a kid or whatever.
1: It's Uh, so true, Adam. It's so true. Everyone's got uh, that story. I want to hear you. I want to hear.
0: Okay, good. And then I want to hear yours. But let me me start. Let me start with mine. Um, It's not a long story. It's that every summer I, and I don't know about this summer, but every summer for the last, um, I don't know, 10 years is the streak. I hope we don't break it. Uh, I go down for summer vacation to Ocean City, Maryland. People who know me closely know that I believe that it is the greatest city in the world. <laughs> uh, and, th- and that's because there's so many memories there. It's just, you know, I, you know, I like it. Uh, the first place that we go, we get make two stops <clears throat> every time. We get down normally about mid-morning. We go to the same place to have breakfast. And then we make two stops. We go to the grocery store. And then we go to 7-Eleven. And it's always and in a hark back to the original purpose it is always to get ice uh and a a number of other things that we get in like we'll get like snacks or like drinks or something like that if we forgot to pick up something at the store but weirdly enough that first trip we end up coming back a time or two for other goods along the way but it's always you go for the groceries and then you make an ice run and that's just like what to me funny enough is just like that's the stickiest 7-eleven memory i guess I have. because uh, it happens every single year. Um, that's great. So that, that's mine. What's, what's, what's yours? I mean, I'm sure you got to have one or two or probably oh, a million. Well, now,
1: now I have about a million, but yeah. uh, prior to working at 7-Eleven, uh, one of my fondest memories was growing up as a kid. We had a 7-Eleven in our neighborhood and uh, the, the gang that of girls that I ran around with, we would always ride our bikes up to the 7-Eleven during the summer and get a Slurpee once a week. So, and then hang out. And that was kind of our, you know, moment of freedom, you know, getting out of the house and riding around the neighborhood and then, you know, cooling off with a, a Slurpee and and sort of, you know, having a little bit of independence and freedom at that moment during the, the dog days of summer um, was great. And, and in fact, it's funny because as I've joined the company and, and spoken to, you know, many, friends, family members, but also started to meet a lot of our customers and consumers is they all have some kind of story, whether it's the ice story in Ocean City, Maryland or the Slurpee story or whatever else. Um, there's a lot of, of um, equity, I would say in the brand um, and, and those kind of cultural experiences in the brand, which makes it really fun to work on and, and shape and kind of continue to communicate out with our consumers.
0: Do you think it's that set of stories? I don't know if it's a set. It's it's like a wealth of stories that are never ending. Everybody, if you're listening to this show and you had a 7-Eleven down the block or like within a couple of mile radius or it was near your school or something like that. My guess is that you have a story like that. Is that connection that like deep uh like maybe even visceral emotional connection to a brand without even intentionally being because of 711 it's because it's where the memories were made mm-hmm. is that part of what drew you to join uh you know the better part of a year ago uh, after spending so long on the CPG side of course people have similar experiences within food and bev broadly and i guess i'm i'm curving pretty hard into what about 711 drew you in but i'm curious because uh it sounds like you and perhaps by, as a byproduct of being in the role, you can all these memories come flooding the mind. But was that part of what drew you into the Seven Eleven story?
1: Oh heck yes! The combination of Seven Eleven being an iconic brand, being a global brand, and having this the scale and and reach that it has. We have over seventy thousand stores globally, and close to ten thousand stores in the U.S. alone. So there's a, a big footprint that we have to operate it uh, with there's a ton of heritage and history um, that we can draw from. And in a high degree of awareness, that was definitely appealing to me. That combined with the fact that the company is, you know, really leaning into digital transformation and digital enablement with our customer. We're leaning into uh, revitalizing our food and beverage offerings to uh, become even more relevant to our customers and on top of that, I would say we're, we're looking at, well, how do we actually contemporize our brand? How do we make sure that 7-Eleven, which has been around for 93 years and has really been a part of culture for many of the, those years? I mean, think about all the different personal experiences that you have with 7-Eleven, but also some of these cultural iconic moments, like when we did the Simpsons takeover in 10 or 12 of our stores, you know, gosh, a decade ago, when we did the... Um, a Deadpool takeover, gosh, even just a couple of years ago, we've got all these different kind of cultural memories as a brand. And I was really attracted to the idea of, well, how do we take that history and that heritage and create it for the next, you know, hundred years, but next five years, let's focus on just to get started. There's so much to work with and so much already engagement with our customers, especially if you look on our social media channels, that part of it is just kind of leaning into that and having fun with it, and being clear on what is our brand voice, what are we trying to communicate, what do our customers need and want from us, what's the role that we play in their lives, and how do we pull that together in a way that's you know fun and delightful and and engaging.
0: Right. It's an interesting. You know, I I, I suppose that I had assumed this, but I hadn't thought about it specifically. That just as you and I. Have our own specific memories with Seven Eleven or things that we associate it with. Mm-hmm. That like not o- not only are, are are you responsible for like you know keeping the brand relevant to people, but it, it's it's much more than that. You have a ten thousand here, seventy thousand worldwide. These hubs for these like otherwise like seemingly pretty innocuous. Like I go to get ice, you go to get the Slurpee, but like that's what you that you get to be the vessel. For that, for creating millions of memories like that, it's a cool, it's a cool perspective that, like, I, I don't think I thought about initially. If I'm, if I'm honest with you, I mean, like, when I think about people marketing brands, like, hey, how do I make brands bigger? How do I, you know, what do I do to grow this business, right? And of course, memories are made along the way there. Yeah. But for me, what I have found, and I think it's because, like, I come. When I go to seven eleven, it just it is it's that emotional connection once again. So it's something that it's just something that I didn't think about. Uh let me oh go I, I feel like I was about to cut you off there.
1: I was gonna I was just gonna build on your point for a second. Because one thing that's that's really delighted me and surprised me since joining the company that I didn't really fully appreciate beforehand was you and I have experiences of, you know, seven eleven from from childhood or vacations, but there's also a group of customers out there who have experience and memories because they visit 7-Eleven on a daily or you know every other day basis. It's a part of their daily routine, whether they're coming in for a cup of coffee or filling up their tanks with gasoline or you know, coming in for ice once a week, who knows? And what, what I've learned is as part of my onboarding, I, I was able to work in a store for a certain period of time. And I got to know the, the store associates, the employees in that store. And I learned that they have these these deep relationships with their regular customers. And they, they get to know these customers over the course of one or two minutes a day, three days a week, 52 weeks a year, over 10 years. And they start to become part of their customers' lives, their customers become part of their lives. They actually develop much deeper connections with their customers. But it's through this very quick, convenient, you know, short amount of time on a, on a daily basis. And I think that's kind of the magic of 7-Eleven is we build these relationships, we build these uh, our reputations in our communities over time, kind of one day, one interaction at a time. And it's all grounded in the idea of convenience and really serving our customers, but it builds and it accrues into a much, I think, more meaningful um, and emotionally connected relationship over the course of of many transactions and moments over the course of days, weeks, years, pretty cool, right?
0: That 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 is cool. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm struggling to be eloquent here because I feel like it takes just a couple of seconds of like mental buffering to get beyond. What do you think of when you go to Seven Eleven? Oh, as I go there to get a slurpee oh but do you remember that like when we used when we were kids we used to, and then like that secondary sort of gear kicks in yeah that's just a cool it's just a cool thing to me yeah I don't, and you know what i don't get that like what do i think about i don't really even get that at like the grocery store i don't get that at the it's just a cool brand like affinity like not affinity um what am i thinking of adjacency to that like strength of memory that's really cool anyway going on a little tangent there but uh that's a, that's a, that's a cool thing i um let me let me switch gears a tiny a tiny bit because when thinking about this mental second gear and all of these like memories and experiences people are having e- even even today, I mean just as strong as they would be if if they were fascinated by a Simpsons takeover or a Deadpool takeover. I mean I'm sure that uh, especially children today are probably thinking like make, making these memories even in this new context. All of this to me, Figuring out ways to take these stories, these memories, and bring them to the forefront. Have that cream rise to the top for a brand. That's what I think of when I think of a brand being truly authentic. And that's really what this show's focus is about. How do those stories become genuine brand fuel and also the way in which a brand spreads themselves authentically? I'm curious what you think brand authenticity means in the lens of 7-Eleven.
1: Well, it's one of my passion points. I love talking about this kind of stuff. Um, So, I would tell you, authenticity is terms that gets thrown around a lot, especially in marketing circles. You know, it's kind
0: of I had I've I've had people say when they've come on the show, they call it like the A word. Now, it's almost it's not a it's it's like almost a dirty word because it became almost immediately cliche. Is that something I didn't expect? Anyway, go ahead.
1: (laughs) But I mean, I think it boils down to. Knowing or understanding someone, or whether that's your consumer or your customer, and being able to empathize with them, to truly understand where they're coming from, what their needs are, why those needs are there, those desires are there, and then being able to make choices based on that understanding and doing so purposefully. And for for me, from a brand perspective, it's important to understand why are we... Why are we here? You know, what is our purpose on earth bis- beyond just making money, you know? And that may sound right. weird for a brand to say, but I think you do have to examine that to, to really be able to get to an authentic place. And for 7-Eleven, it, it's been interesting. We've we've just completed uh, some brand vision work and um, art- we are articulating our brand vision now as activate awesome. and Activate awesome. Activate awesome. And where that comes from is a really keen understanding of our core customers, as well as m- maybe more lapsed or, or less frequent customers who what they're trying to accomplish and achieve in their life is, is really of, of paramount importance to them. And they're doing it in a way that's embraces embracing a sense of optimism, but they're also doing it in a way that's not just like working to the grind, you know, these people tend to have an outlook on life that um, they're working hard, but they're also trying to enjoy life along the way and not take themselves too seriously. And as we came to better understand our customers, we also examined the brand and the history of the brand. And there's a lot of similarities. 7-Eleven was kind of born out of necessity, right? So offering essentials, but we don't just sell essentials. I mean, for Gonna say we invented the Slurpee and we coined the term brain freeze, you know. So there's some elements and cues in our assortment, in our communications history, in our heritage of these kind of little things that are more just fun, indulgent um, things that kind of make life the lighter side of life, right? And what right. What, what we discovered as part of the process was that 7-Eleven isn't just about convenience and getting it done and, you know, get the essentials and move on. It's also about infusing a little fun into the everyday. It's not enough to just work hard and get things done. You got to enjoy life also. And so that it helps explain some of our decision-making as a brand historically, and also gives us understanding for how we can make choices moving forward.
0: Right. That Activate Awesome is a really cool I like to borrow that maybe as the title of this show. Uh, th- this <laughs> is uh, though a, a something which is intuitive, but something which is is good that you're absolutely good that you're highlighting. People are just trying to live their lives. How do you yeah. how do you elevate that experience, especially right now? People are just trying to make it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's right. They're just trying to get by? They, you know, they're not I don't think anybody has any fancy requests for what's going on now, except for get on, on the other side and and have a dream moment like mine of getting in the car and driving somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um let me ask about uh for, for a second what your couple stories that you have in mind of those people who are just who are just living? I mean, maybe whether it's a story of a customer who's just is passionate about the brand, maybe about a franchisee who's making a particular impact in the community. I'm curious if you have a couple of stories like that in your back pocket. Obviously, everybody's got their millions of stories from. Oh, I remember when I was a kid, or I remember you know every week I dot dot dot. But you have a few that particularly come to mind about uh, any of those cohorts.
1: Man, you know it. Um, I mean, I would say in a normal environment, we would have plenty of stories about how awesome our franchisees are, how awesome our associates are, and our customers right. in the communities in which we serve. But in the last two and a half months, we've seen that come to the forefront even more. And in fact, we've created a program internally now, We're evaluating if we'll make it external, but internally now called 7-Eleven Heroes, where we really highlight the kind of heroic actions of our franchisees and our associates and the and the impact they're making on their communities. And one that comes to mind is uh, one of our franchisees in Dallas, his name is Raman. And he, as COVID cases were growing in Dallas County in the last couple of months, he um, noticed just how hard hit the frontline nurses and doctors were and his store, he has um, four stores in the Dallas area, and one of those stores is two miles from a main hospital in Dallas. So he was able to kind of observe what was happening and see the impact on these frontline medical workers. Also, his wife is a registered nurse at a local hospital. And so he kind of naturally has a lot of nurse and doctors as customers in his store. And so he was able to kind of see what was happening. So he was, noticing, man, the long hours they're working, the stress that they're facing, just, you know, everything. He wanted to do something for them. So he coordinated with the hospital director and began delivering lunch, 100 7-Eleven pizzas, three times a week to the hospital for those frontline workers. And um, to date, he and his staff have delivered, you know, several hundred pizzas to the, ho- to the hospital. And the way that he was able to do it was take all of the pizza ovens in his stores turn them on for a couple of hours a day to prepare for those those uh, to warm up the pizzas and then actually deliver them. So he's able to um, do that on his own time, on his own dime. And I got to tell you, the response from the hospital, the medical staff was just like over the over the moon. I mean, the this one group of nurses was so um, you know impacted by his generosity that they actually made a video to the tune of the, Oh, thank heaven for 7-Eleven jingle that was coined back in the seventies to thank him for the donation. And so, um, you know, everyone obviously enjoyed the pizzas and the food, which we're trying to build credibility uh, with, by the way, you know, as a food destination, but more importantly, they just appreciated him noticing like that's the need, right? How can he serve them and do it in an authentic way? And so we've got hundreds of stories like that, honestly, Adam. But Robin's yeah. is one that just really touched the, the hearts, I think, of not only a lot of 7-Eleven employees, but also the hospital workers and even the community in Dallas as word has gotten out.
0: Right. That is, a, and I'm going to go back to what I said before. If this type of story, and l- listeners just so you know, like I think this is an incredibly authentic way for a brand to be operating um, because people are sort of, practicing what, what the brand preaches, which is like, this is, this is where you go, not only for essentials, but this is, this is a, I mean, this can we say convenience factor in the highest? I mean, like having, having this delivered to you in a time of like utmost stress. And I mean that, I think maybe that even cheapens it. I mean, for so many folks out there who have their stories, new ones get made at least as this story indicates through the actions of things going on inside the 7 yeah. So if I go and get my ice, which now, I mean, <laughs> I got to say it kind of pales in comparison to the story you just told me. But um, I, I go and I get my ice. You go as a child and you remember getting the Slurpee. How many hundreds of people, whether it's somebody who is fighting this crisis, whether it is somebody who is weathering it, somebody who's impacted by it, somebody who is a family or a friend or somebody who watched that video, whatever they will likely, I'm guessing will come out on the other side and will they, their second gear will be like, Oh my God, do you remember when we were working like those 24 hour shifts at the hospital during that crazy time in 2020 and that guy kept bringing in 7-Eleven pizza. That was a lifesaver. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that, and that's something they'll, they're going to tell the kids, you know, and That is at the root, I think, of what this show aims to be about. How are those stories coming to the forefront? And by the way, I'm glad that you have that, that you can just like, and I hope that story is spread as widely as you can spread it. Um, That to me is the heart of what makes for an authentic brand. So that's really cool uh, to me. Um, So what what I want to do now is I want to turn out from a story like that and I want to get I want to get your, your advice um, to listeners of this show. Here's why. Listeners, we do this every time. This is, and you know this, this is an advice column which essentially uh, benefits those who listen to this show, and it's the majority of them who are either marketers, who are building a brand themselves, who are uh, just trying to make their way, much like the masses uh, at the 7-Eleven, but who are largely trying to emulate the journeys of those who come on this show. And so they particularly benefit from either a success story, a story where a pitfall was avoided, um, an advice uh, that, that a mentor gave to the guest, whatever it might be. But advice generally on how to become more authentic, how to build better relationships with people and how to build a more authentic brand in that way. This is a passion point for you, so I'm sure you have something like this. But I wanted to ask, just as a way of rounding out this conversation, a takeaway that, that our listeners can uh, can remember alongside those memories from the 7-Eleven that they undoubtedly have from when they were kids. But I was, I'd was, be remiss not to ask for that advice from you to round out today.
1: Well, I'm glad you asked. I was looking forward to this part of our discussion, so Good. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Um, you know, as I think about how do you become more authentic as a brand, I, I I oftentimes go back to what, well, how do you build authenticity just as a human being, like as an individual, as a person, we all, I think, want to be authentic people, right? And to be able to do that, you got to know who you are. You have to know yourself, what you stand for, what you stand against, um, you know, what you believe in and what you don't. And that's, that's about choices. That's about being clear on what, what are your beliefs and your belief systems and what are you willing to to do and not do and who do you associate with and not, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a similar, I think, exercise for a brand. And as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, it, it it starts with understanding who is your customer or your consumer. Who are they? What are their needs, what are their desires and beliefs and attitudes? But it's just as important to understand for your brand, what does your brand believe in? Because you you really can't be all things to all people right because then you're not being authentic you're not really making choices you're kind of you know you're just there to make money i guess at that point so i think it's it's just so important to go through the exercise of examining what is the brand on earth here to do beyond making money what's the role that the brand plays in the world what does the brand believe in and how does that then connect with the needs, the beliefs, the desires, the wants of your core customer and your maybe your growth targets, et cetera. When you have that understanding about, as a brand, who you are, what you believe in, what you don't believe in, then you can really make choices that reinforce that and that support that. And in doing so, you can build confidence and feel proud about those choices. I think that's something that brands um, struggle with sometimes is they may have a, a specific brand vision or belief but sometimes it's hard to really stand up for that belief in in front of customers or in the court of public opinion. And so brands oftentimes will apologize for something that maybe they shouldn't be apologizing for. Maybe that's part of who they are and they need to kind of own it. And so going the, through this process um, as a, as a 7-Eleven brand to articulate our brand vision of Activate Awesome, it's actually building our internal confidence as an organization on on really embracing who we are as a brand, which includes some of the things that are dissatisfiers, honestly, about our experience and and being able to um, very transparently and honestly look at those and say, okay, well, how do we fix those? Or or is that okay? Like, are we are okay? Are we okay with that experience? Because it actually kind of is a part of who we are and we're not gonna apologize for it anymore. So right. be my advice is this is no different from understanding who are you as a human being and as a person and what do you stand for? It's the same kind of exercise for a brand, so that you can make choices and be purposeful about the decisions that you're making and the communications that you put into the marketplace, the innovations, the experiences, all of that.
0: Well, that passion point uh, comes through very strongly. So I really appreciate you giving that advice and you know sharing a little bit more with me today about uh, about this story, uh, not just the story that you are writing. But the story, the stories that we all have, and the stories of uh, uh, the stories that continue to be written, it's been a pleasure to learn about that um, and to learn from you. I will, uh, I'll have to go and make a new memory maybe this summer if that trip doesn't happen. But, please uh, do, please do. Yeah. I would
1: encourage you to do so, and then let's connect. I want to hear all about it.
0: Oh, uh, that sounds good. Well, you know what? I already got one. A little extra credit here for listeners at the end. I have a buddy who I used to work with. And uh, and Marissa, you know about this one. Oh yeah, uh, he he has he has a a child on the way, a baby girl, who is currently due on seven eleven. So it's possible that there and 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 so listeners know I I asked Marissa about this before the show, uh, a couple weeks ago actually, and her team got together that day and did a poll and came back to me with uh, with nicknames that you should give a child if they're born on seven eleven. So if you've listened this far in the interview, which you better have. <laughs> You should let me know either on LinkedIn or message or anything where you see this show. What you think a child should be should be nicknamed if they're born on seven eleven? That's another story. Maybe we'll be, we'll get to tell this uh, this summer there, Marissa. So thank you for that too.
1: Absolutely, sounds like a plan, Adam. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much to Marissa Jarrett from Seven Eleven for joining the show today. It's amazing. Like even now, the memories that are flooding back. As I have more that. I can say I won't because we're out of time. But uh, thank you for coming on the show and sharing a few of yours. If you liked this show, here's what you can do. A couple things. So content hubs. We have a few of them. One is podcast.vivoom.co. Navigate to that website and you're going to see every single episode that I've ever done. And there's plenty of them. So as I said at the beginning, if you stay tuned in, that's great. Now you can catch up. You can also catch up on LinkedIn where we have a showcase page, Authentic Influence Podcast. That's where you'll find the shows themselves as well as clips and other news and when events come later this year when we're all out out of the house, uh, we'll have that as well. I'm also on LinkedIn personally, Adam Connor. Feel free to connect. Give me any recommendations for what you thought about this show format and what you think about upcoming guests because both of those are pieces of feedback that I'll take uh, incredibly seriously and almost instantaneously. I'll be back again real soon with another fantastic show, you already know, with another great brand about how they're mobilizing their masses become more authentic and until then for authentic influence i've been your host adam connor and you'll hear from me again next time